Today's episode of the Gold Cast is sponsored by you. You the people. You voted Candlestick Will in in just a uh, a stroke of brilliance. He put our episode to the vote to the Bay Area fandom. We we ha- we ended up almost having a discussion debate about what the who was the most successful coach in the Bay Area. Was it Bill Walsh with three Super Bowl rings? Was it Bruce Bochy with three World Series rings? Or was it Steve Kerr with three NBA Finals rings? Who was the man? Who was the man? Who was the guy that that what could be called the greatest Bay Area sports coach here in San Francisco and we 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 had to stall it we stalled it for those of you who heard the herd the uh the episode was it was our farewell to Bruce Bochy episode we stalled it right there and we said let's 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 do let's save this for another episode we're going to unpack unpack that candlestick will went on and you put your vote to it and we're going to discuss your vote and our thoughts and what we think after the intro but first Raymond before we get started why don't you let them know where can they find us you can like us on facebook.com slash the goldcast and you can also follow us on twitter at the underscore goldcast and you can also subscribe to us via itunes youtube and stitcher all under the same moniker of the goldcast like subscribe and comment because we enjoy conversing with you all right and raymond where can they find you you can find me on Twitter at Ray Solis and on Instagram at Ray Solis One. And Candlestick Will, where can they find you? They can find me on Twitter at Candlestick Will. And you can find me on Instagram at Rudy Solis Three and Twitter at Rudy Solis Three R D. All right, here it is. Who is the greatest Bay Area coach of all time? We're going to get talk about it, but first, the greatest podcast intro in the game, the Goldcast. Class is in session. Let's go. San Francisco, are you ready? This is the Goldcast. Boom. Welcome to another edition of the Goldcast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Suisse III, and with me is my brother, my co-host, Raymond Solis the first baby. And our esteemed co-host, Candlestick Will. Yes. All right, guys. Now, Candlestick Will, man, you dropped that bomb on us. You dropped that bomb on us last week and asked the question, who is the greatest Bay Area coach? Coincidentally, our three San Francisco Bay Area coaches all have three rings. All of them have three rings. Why don't you break down for the people, Candlestick Will, the tenure and and how long they were a coach here in the Bay Area and obviously what sport, even though everyone knows. Let's just go through it again because I, I like to hear it. Yeah, sure. So um, let me pull it up here for you. So the, uh, you know, the three guys we're talking about, Bill Walsh with the 49ers, Bruce Bochy with the Giants, and then Steve Kerr right now with the Warriors. Bill Walsh, uh, coached for only 10 years, which is somewhat surprising when you think about the impact that he had in San Francisco. But, you know, just 10 years, 1979 to 1988. Bochy uh, started in 2007 and just retired this year. So he, he was a manager with the Giants for 13 years. 
And then Steve Kerr, you know, just, even though he's had so much success, has only been uh, coaching for five. So this this current season coming up is only going to be his sixth year with the Warriors. So uh, even though um, those are th- three, you know, three of the most legendary coaches in all of Bay Area history, um, none of them have been with their teams for uh, that long. However, when you really think about it, those numbers, you know, 13 years with one team, 10 years with one team, that's actually pretty extraordinary when you really think about it because uh, the last probably 30 years, most managers don't last that long. Most head coaches don't last that long. Yes. Now, why don't you let the let let Goldcast Nation know because Goldcast Nation came out in droves on your Twitter page and really let their voices be heard. What was the final voting from the people? I don't I don't think it was much of a surprise that Bill Walsh ended up winning the poll. Um, I think if you really look at the the heart and minds of Bay Area fans, you know, Bill Walsh is about as legendary as it can come. And even with the recency history of Bruce Bochy and the the success of of Steve Kerr over the last few years, um, I think fans, you know, are always going to have a special place in their heart for for Walsh. So when we did the poll online, um, I had it over seven days uh, from the time of our last podcast to now and 56 percent ended up choosing Bill Walsh, 38% had Bruce Bochy, and only 6% had Steve Kerr. So um, I don't know if those numbers are surprising to you guys. I think that sounds about right for where they currently are, um, especially with how little um, time Kerr has been with the Warriors, uh, even with his success, um, compared to Walsh and Bochy. So um, those those numbers didn't necessarily surprise me, but I, I did find it um, interesting that so so many um, did did choose Bochi considering that um, you know how uh, infamous and legendary Bill, uh, Bill Walsh is. Ray, what are your thoughts? That sounds exactly how I position them in my head because Bochi Bochi's amazing, but you know his overall record is a losing record. Although when he came to us, even his record with us, I believe, is a losing record. But in the three in the five year span that he was able to kind of pull it together, you know, we got eighty eight wins or more in each of those seasons, and we won all three of those those playoff trips. And he's undefeated with us, which is a big one. Kerr has lost a couple, but I don't. I feel like Bill Walsh to me that to me Bill Walsh is the cream of the crop for the Bay Area. It's real. It's really hard to 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 top Bill Walsh. So on my end, and then I candlestick will. I want you to go last because you are the man that actually posed this question to us to the group. It doesn't surprise me, but for different reasons. It doesn't surprise me because, as I mentioned in a recent episode, one of the episodes we posted in the last week, we we do so many now. <laughs> it's hard to keep up sometimes. I did say that San Francisco. I think first and foremost, really truly is a football town. San Francisco, you know, the 49ers were the first team ever in the state of California, first professional football team ever here, the first team to deliver a championship to San Francisco. Even though the Giants had their parade here, they were they won their final World Series before moving here in New York. Even though that parade took place here, it was won in New York, and it would be another 50 years before they won. The the 
the Warriors, well, the Warriors brought one, but they were Golden State at that point, weren't they? Right, Candlestick? Well, I'm right. Yeah, in 74. They weren't they weren't they weren't the San Francisco Warriors at that point. So the 49ers really were, and then you have the dynasty, and you have a dynasty that goes two coaches, two quarterbacks, zero interceptions in the Super Bowl almost flawless between Walsh and Seifert. I know that Seifert obviously is a different argument. He is not Walsh, and this is an argument for Walsh, but I'm just talking about the perspective of San Francisco, that this, I think, first and foremost, is I would say is a football town. And then second, it's a baseball town, and then third is a basketball town. But I have a feeling now that the Warriors are here and if they can, can continue sustained success with this regime – you're going to see those numbers change greatly. You know, just seeing the Golden State Warriors preseason and it saying San Francisco on the side, it just warmed my heart. I about lost my mind. My San Francisco brain could barely tolerate just seeing the word San Francisco on the side. It was so exciting. But I just think given the historical impact of the 49ers on this fandom of this city, I think even more so than... It's not even just the fact that you know Walsh's legacy. It's what it's what that legacy meant to fans of this city. I mean, it was the first real dominant team. You know, the Giants were up and down. The Giants had had lost World Series. They had been close. They were close even during during the San Francisco 49ers run. But the San Francisco Niners provided a level of dominancy in in football that we'd never experienced before, really, in any sport. Here And it really, I think it captured the imagination of the city in a way that holds it to this day, similar to the way the Yankees did for New York and how that's always going to be a Yankees town, first and foremost, above any other sport that it has there. I think the 49ers, it was the first. And so it, it's, it's a hard crown to, it's a hard, a hard throne to shake for, for the San Francisco Bay Area fans. I am surprised about that Giants one. But I want to hear your thoughts, Candlestick Will, as to why Bill Walsh got that number one. And then I want to hear what your thoughts on why maybe Bruce Bochy got such a bit, got so many votes. Well, I, I think, you know, you, you alluded to a lot of it there in, in just kind of the, the makeup of the Bay Area and, and their fandom. You know, anytime, anytime you're first, it's always going to be special. When we talked uh, last week about where we would rank our, our Bochi championships, you know, I, I mentioned 2010 being number one because it was, you know, in, in large part because it was first. So, you know, first professional team, first championship in 81, you know, those things really sit with you. So, you know, Joe Montana is the Bay Area's quarterback. Bill Walsh is the Bay Area's coach. Like, you know, those those two are on the Mount Rushmore of most important, you know, Bay Area sports figures because of them being the, the, those foundational pieces for the first championship in Bay Area history. So I think just from that standpoint alone, if you're looking at similar numbers from similar people, then you're going to pick someone like Walsh, who was first. Um, I also think some of the comments that people made in their rationale behind why they voted for, for Bill Walsh over Bochy and Kerr was because of what his impact was on the sport, not just in the Bay Area. The fact that he revolutionized and built on uh, an offense that he was putting together with uh, Paul Brown and, and ended up, you know, essentially 
inventing the West Coast offense in the way that it has evolved um, to become one of the premier offensive uh, play, you know, playbooks in in the in the game. And that coaching tree of his that basically, you know, almost every single team in the league has had people that were connected to Walsh in some way um, as part of their offensive coaching staff in some way or another at some point since Walsh started, you know, I think also speaks volumes um, for his legacy. So I think a lot of people were using some of those points to rationalize picking Walsh over, over Bochy. I also think that if you look at some of the numbers, you know, I, I tried looking at numbers that you could compare when you're looking at coaches of different sports, because you know, to say who had the most wins, well, Bochy had the most wins. He managed more games. And it wasn't just because of 13 years. It's because there's 162 games in a baseball season, right? So when you look at the regular season winning percentage, Bill Walsh had a 609 regular season winning percentage. Bochy, as you pointed out, um, Ray has a 499 regular season uh, uh, winning percentage because he was just under 500. Uh, Steve Kerr, on the other hand, has a 785 regular season winning percentage, which is obscene. Um, but then when you look at the postseason, Walsh is at 714. Bochi catapults up to 679. And Kerr is at 733. So all three of them are just legendary in the playoffs uh, for their sport. Um, all three, as we've talked about, have three championships. Bill Walsh was in the playoffs 70% of the time. He went to the playoffs seven times in 10 years. Bochi was only 30%. It was four times in 13 years. And then Kerr is at 100% being, you know, making the playoffs every year. So, you know, it's a lot easier to make the playoffs in the NBA, but he was also the one seed in almost every season. Um, so that's a, one thing to factor in with Bochi. He only made it four times. Like you said, there were years where he didn't even, um, you know, go 500 and over, over the course of 13 years actually had a losing record in the regular season. Um, whereas Walsh, you know, 70% of the time he was in the playoffs. So I think, um, considering how bad his first, the, his first team was, you know, really he was, you know, eight of the last nine years he was in the playoffs, um, or you no know, seven, I'm sorry, seven of the last nine years he was in the playoffs, um, with, uh, with teams that, you know, shouldn't have been as good as they were as fast as they were. So that's a, a credit to Walsh. So. As close as some of those numbers are, I think it's pretty incredible that Walsh had a 60% uh, winning percentage in the regular season, 71% in the postseason, and then went 3-0 and when it mattered the most. So, you know, I think his numbers stack up with the other two uh, pretty well, as staggering as the other two's playoff uh, resumes are. So let me ask you a question. You wrote this on, on Twitter, and I want I I you to expand upon it. You said... Uh, my heart says Bochi, but my head says Walsh. What, why, why, why does your heart say Bochi? G- give us the answer now. I mean, I will say this, but before you speak, I think one of the things that makes Bochi's run really special is that he delivered the second dynasty, right? And the first dynasty of the 21st century and the first dynasty we've had, we had since 1995. And I think that is so special. I, 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 I rank him second merely for that. I just think that run was, it was improbable in a little bit of ways. It, you know, it, it's in some ways we, we, we had no business being there, but when we got there, Boach made it happen. And that's what makes legends, right? It, it, it doesn't really matter 
what you do any other year. All that matters is when you're in the playoffs, can you make the run and close the deal? And for him to be the second coach to deliver a dynasty, I think is really special. And it holds a really special place in my heart. And I'm a baseball fan forever because of this entire run, dating back to 08, as I mentioned in that in that podcast. And 210, 2010 cemented it. And here I am still watching baseball. You know, over 10 years later, haven't my fandom hasn't hasn't doled at all, and it all started in 08 and then really was cemented with that World Series, and I'm a lifer now. So tell me for you, what, what why did your heart say Boach? What was it about Boachy's run that you put it ahead of Walsh for you? Yeah, I mean, you know, as far as like who I'd vote for, you know, I would vote for Walsh on that poll. However, like I was saying in the, in my response, you know, my heart would say Bochi. And I think there's a few factors, you know, one is just my age. You know, I, as much as I loved Bill Walsh and the 49ers growing up, you know, I was nine years old when he, you know, I was, it was, you know, 1988, I was eight years old. So I was nine years old when he retired. And I think one of the things that, that happens is as much as that is, you know, a huge part of your childhood, I also don't necessarily remember all the games the way I do remember all the games of, of Bochy's era. So, you know, I was at most of those games that Bochy, you know, managed and was great at, or I was at the TV watching every inning. Whereas when I was a kid, I wasn't paying attention at weekly the same way. I, even though I watched the playoff games, you know, most of my memories of Bill Walsh's 49ers was the 1988 video yearbook on VHS that I watched 3 million times. And, <laughs> you know, so I associate, you know, some of the best plays from that year with the 1980s, you know, synthesizer music. I can't say it without um, a lisp um, that was playing along with the highlight, you know. So, um, you know, I, I, I have recollections of Bill Walsh's Niners, but because it was in my childhood, it's, you know, I think it's more um, it's more fleeting and more just spotty. Whereas I really lived that Giants championship. And because I lived and died with all those losing seasons and seeing really good managers like Roger Craig and Dusty Baker and Philippe Alou not quite get there with really talented teams. And then in what is you can kind of argue is much less talented teams, Bochi found a way to win with lesser talent. So I think a lot of ways that's kind of the first part of it is that I just had more life experience in the moment with Bochy's teams than I did with Walsh's, especially from memory, because a lot of, you know, I didn't, I did I don't remember anything from 1981 because I was a year old. Um, I remember almost nothing from 1984. I was four years old. So that third championship in 1988 was great, but it was the only one I really had any concrete memories of. Um, whereas Bochy's I've got all three and was able to experiencing them in real time and, and, and have real memories. Um, I also think, and this is not a knock on Bill Walsh at all, but after drafting so beautifully and so incredibly with guys like Montana and Rice, he built such a, a juggernaut that when he left, Seifert seamlessly steps in and wins, you know, wins with the guys that he you know, left behind, could have easily won the you know, two in a row. Um, you know, w without the, the the loss to the Giants in 1990. So he had built such an amazing thing that it, the team had become almost bigger than him in a lot of ways. Whereas I think in a, in a lot of ways, the Giants don't win without Bochy in any of those three years. 
that it's not just that Bumgarner was superhuman or it's not just that they had some great pitching, but it was all the things that Bochi did in those games, the way he managed. And so, again, not discrediting anything that Walsh did because he also is the reason that foundation was so great. But I think that Bochi has such a connection to those championships and in a way that it's, it was totally, it's going to be totally different without him. And it'll be a totally different team without him. And I think any other manager doesn't win with those giants teams. Whereas once Bill Walsh built that juggernaut, you know, Seifert proved that other coaches could come in and win with that group. Um, and so that's, again, that's not a knock on Bill Walsh, but I think that's why my heart would go towards Bruce Bochy and my head would ultimately go to Bill Walsh because of the, of, of how much of a juggernaut uh, Bill Walsh built and what he was able to accomplish. Versus how integral and literally Bochy was the heart and soul of that run. There no, no Bochy, no run. Well, and, and, you know, no Bill Walsh, no offense um, like they had. And, and maybe they don't have, Joe Montana because he doesn't draft him they draft somebody else you know so you know I think you can play a lot of uh chicken and egg I guess with with what with my analogies there at the end but um I also do think that that uh that's why if I you know if I had a vote because I I didn't vote in the poll but if I voted I would have voted for Walsh but my heart at this point in life right now today was with Bochy I love it. Now, Raymond, let me talk to you. What what is your what's your order of the three, Ray? Mine's exactly how the fans voted for it: Walsh, Bochi, and Kerr. To me, when you first posed the question, the immediate picture in my head that popped in my head was Bill Walsh. I just felt like I felt like it was so decisive, like five, three championships, but. The three championships is one aspect, even though it's the same amount that all of three of these guys have won three championships. Two of them are undefeated. But to me, what put Bill Will Walsh ahead of everybody else was just the influence he's had on the NFL that still exists to this day. Um, that's what is crazy about it. I mean, he's he's fine. He spawned Mike Holmgren from his original staff that would go on to spawn John Gruden and Andy Reid who have, uh, Andy Reid has yet to win the big chip, but he's always in the race. You know, John Gruden has won the big chip. Uh, George Seifert won two. One from Bill Walsh's team, another he built through Steve Young. From him, that spawned Mike Shanahan, who would go on to win two championships of its own. Pete Carroll came out of George Seifert. He would he would go on to two championships winning one. Gary Kubiak would win one with Denver with Peyton Manning. Jeff Fisher would go to one, but would ultimately become a pretty shitty coach. Um, Dennis Green, you know, <laughs> Brian Billick came from that. Tony Dungy came from that. They both won. Mike Tomlin came from Tony Dungy. He won one. Uh, who who else? Uh, God, this list is crazy. Sam Weish uh, would go on and lose twice to the Super Bowl against Bill Walsh. And under him, you know, Dick LeBeau would go on to have his success as a defensive coordinator. Uh, Ray Rhodes, Ray Rhodes would spawn, you know, Sean Payton worked under Ray Rhodes at one point in time. Mike McCarthy worked under Ray Rhodes at one point in time. They would both go on to win championships. I mean, this, this tree is just ridiculous. And, and this influence still exists to this day. Mike Shanahan his his offensive influence that was derived from Seaford and Walsh. Now we see a revolutionized version of it 
coming out through Kyle Shanahan, who, you know, knew Bill Walsh as a kid and was a ball boy when they were winning Super Bowls. I mean, this this influence is just insane. It it feels like it's never gonna end. Um the the the, 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 the way <laughs> the way that the new generations come in. John Gruden is still coaching. Andy Reid is still coaching. Sean Payton is still coaching. I don't know where Mike McCarthy is. Pete Carroll's Pete Carroll still coaching. Is still coaching. <laughs> yes. Kyle Shanahan's just moving yes, into his Gary own. Kubiak is still in the league. Greg Williams is still in the league. Greg Williams was the famous defensive coordinator for the the Bounty Gate scandal under with Sean Payton, and and then he got he was an interim head coach for the Cleveland Browns last year, and then uh, now he's uh, I don't know where where he is now, but um but yeah, a lot of these guys are still coaching. It's uh, it's crazy. So and some of them are just an analyst now. But um, yeah, to me, that's where Bill Walsh just has this insane influence. And the fact that it still exists, like to me, like that's what kind of put him over the edge. Like if we went pure wins and stuff like that, I think I'd have to go with like Steve. Like if I was to go statistically, I would say Steve Kerr because the amount of wins in the window that he has done it in is beyond anything these, these other two coaches have done. But at the same time, especially the dominance in the regular season. It's just insane what he's done in the regular season. But when I go beyond just the championship wins, like Bill Walsh has this legacy that is still felt by the league today and still referenced by the league today. And that, to me, carried more weight in the ultimate decision on who was the greatest Bay Area coach. Can I ask you a question, Ray? So, you know, you're we're all the same age. And you also, all of us were mere kids like really young during the 49ers regime now. So how did that influence? Have you gone back and seen, I mean, obviously we've done our, our gold dives that we do off season. They'll be back when we, when we get back to the off season, but we've done gold dives into a lot of those games, but did you on your own? Cause I, I went and I own the Super Bowls on DVD. I've seen every Super Bowl that Niners have won at least five times. And I've gone and I think I've seen almost every NFC championship that the 49ers have won. Uh, I think I've seen them all. I, I haven't seen quite every game they've won in the playoffs under the Montana regime, but I'm about halfway there. What about you? Have you gone back and seen a lot of those games? What about your personal journey through that? You know, because obviously, I, I think Candlestick Will brings up a great point. We weren't, we were kids. Yeah, I, to be honest, I remember Steve Young's era more than Joe Montana's, and. So I, I just feel like, you know, that one, I, that one to me has more resonation. I watched Bruce Bochy's, I watched Steve Kerr's, both of their runs way more closely. So, I mean, that to me wasn't a deciding factor. I remember it. I remember those, the, the, I obviously remember the Warriors and the Giants way more than Bill Walsh's. Bill Walsh's, I remember like the last like two and the other ones I watched, like, in retrospect, like, old broadcasts from before. So, to me, like, that's, like, how I how I view it. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's, to me, it wasn't as big of a factor. You know, for me, I really have gone back and and really done, as, as you know, Ray, on the gold dives and Candlestick, well, you'll see. I, I can't wait for us to do gold dives after this season and really dig into Giants games, Warriors games, and and more 49ers games. I can't wait to just unpack these games. But I've really, I really 
during the hardball run, especially, I became really obsessed with just where this team came from. And I didn't just want to say Joe Montana. Oh, Joe Montana's the greatest. I really wanted to know why. And I went and watched a lot of different games. I've read countless Wikipedia pages on different seasons. I wanted to know what, what happened after the first Super Bowl win. Why'd they go 2-12? and 12? You know, the the years of trying to get past New York and Chicago. You know, what happened after the 84 one? You know, why didn't we go, why didn't we go, why did we only go back to back once? What what happened in these intervening years? And, you know, where was Joe? And, and you know, where was he? Where was Bill? Like, what exactly happened in between these these four Super Bowl wins and in particular the three with Walsh where were the 49ers and what was going on in these intervening years and so I really feel I definitely feel a much deeper connection to that era and I'm actually the opposite Ray I feel a much deeper connection to the Joe Montana era than the Steve Young era because the I I am I am I obviously I, I was I lived it all I remember the big Dallas Cowboys 49ers uh, the rivalry, obviously, that's the greatest, in my opinion, the greatest postseason rivalry in NFL history. It spans over 30 years from the 70s through the 80s through the 90s, and um, both teams getting some pretty intense licks in. But uh, I consider myself, I actually have a much deeper connection to the Bill Walsh era than uh, almost any previous era for any sports team because I just, I just spent so much time and going back and reviewing clips i was actually joking candlestick well i i was looking at a highlight reel of the 49ers and the browns after this monday after we thrashed them on monday so the next day i'm on youtube video on youtube and i'm watching the highlight reel and then afterwards youtube suggests a random game on monday night in 1987 the year before we played them in the super bowl and I was like, ooh, I got to watch this. So then I spent the next 20 minutes watching that highlight reel and was equally as thoroughly entertained just seeing Joe and then going against the Browns. And it's Marty Schottenheimer is the coach. And I was, and then I just, and then I went and did a whole deep dive on that year and on Marty Schottenheimer's crew at the Cleveland Browns because uh, I had forgotten that he was the coach before and he'd been fired the year before they went to the Super Bowl and just did this whole deep dive on the 49ers and that year you know what happened what was their record what were the games because even though I've read the stuff over and over I I just love to re-educate myself so for me I'm actually the opposite of both of you I I actually have the deepest connection to the Bill Walsh era um, because I've just done so much history and I'm just fascinated with that decade if I could go back and I, I wouldn't I, I I definitely want to get to a point one day where I can say I've seen every playoff game that Joe Montana's ever played. I definitely want to watch every winning season, every game we've ever played to win the Super Bowl, every playoff game. I want like that's my first bucket list goal. So I, I want to say I want to see every playoff run Joe made to a Super Bowl win. And I'm about halfway there. And uh, but that's definitely one of my big goals. But that is definitely for me the one I have the most most personal connection with. So I just think it's really interesting that the three of us kind of all come at this from different perspectives. I think that's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, one of the things I, you know, when I originally posted the idea last week on the podcast, you know, my initial question was actually, if Steve Kerr wins a fourth, you know, where does that put him and does it jump him over these guys? And, you know, I, I don't know if that would happen. Um, I think the fact that Kurt, Steve Kerr got 6% of the vote in this in the poll that we did, you know, suggests that he's, in the eyes of fans, he's nowhere near Walsh and Bochy yet. 
But if he gets a fourth championship, especially with Durant gone now, and this team being looked at as, oh, dynasty's over, it's done, that if he wins again, you know, it doesn't have to be this year, but if he just wins a fourth time, you know, that I think that puts him um, in a really uh, unique position as far as the success that he'll have had as a as a coach in, in his league. But if you just look, I mean, I was I did I was doing this during the NBA season last year where I was looking at Steve Kerr's record over his career. I mean, it's really it, it's it's really stupid how unbelievable his record is. So his very first year, if you combine regular season and playoffs, he was 83 and 20. And then the, fo- the following year, when they won 73, he went 88 and 18, which is just, un- just unheard of. Never happened before. Then he goes 83 and 16 the following year. So the first three years of his career, he wins over 80 games. And there's 82 games in the regular season. So to win over 80 games or win over 82 games, you know, in the regular season and playoffs combined is just unbelievable. And then he really fell off these last two years, winning 74 and 71. So he went 74 and 29 uh, two years ago, and he went 71 and 33 last year. So, I mean, his, his winning percentage is over, this, over, the, over the time that he's been there is just insane. It's just unbelievable. And to put it in perspective, um, I think I have these numbers right. Um, I'll, I'll double check. But I'm pretty sure the totals are that he's won 399 games in in those five years which is the most by any coach in the history of the nba over a five-year span and so i i think i have this right that he's 399 and 116 to put that in perspective don nelson who's considered a great coach and a hall of fame coach for the warriors his entire tenure with the warriors he went 422 and 443 so he only won 23 more games than kerr has wow and Don Nelson did that over 865 games. And wow. Kerr's, Kerr hasn't even, hasn't even coached 600 games yet. Well, and I'll say this. I like this question that you're posing. And you're right. You did pose it this way. And so we're going to frame it like this. And then we're going to wrap up. Kerr has to win one in the city of San Francisco. And that's the only way. And it may not be fair. It may not be right, but this is this is I'm a San Francisco Bay Area native, 23rd admission, St. Luke's Hospital. That's where I'm from. The only way for Kerr to truly be fully embraced by the San Francisco uh, fandom, he has to win one in the city. He has to bring a championship to the city because as much as San Francisco embraced, and I, I mean I was there. I I was I was there after 20 the. The oh man, oh man, I was there after the after the last the the first time we beat LeBron, or uh, the s- second time we beat LeBron. I mean, I lose I lose track of many times we beat LeBron. Yeah, we did. <laughs> uh, I won the second championship, the second one, I, yeah, it was the second championship we won. That one, I was there. And San Francisco was going bananas, okay? So the city was going crazy. They lit a car on fire, the whole nine, the usual insanity that that cities do when they win championships. But that's just how San Francisco is, man. It's like L.A. or New York. 
you know, they're not go- they're not going to fully embrace him until he brings a championship to the city of San Francisco. Yeah, I mean, I think that'll make the case for him as far as getting, you know, if he gets a fourth championship and a first one in San Francisco, um, and it'll be the first one ever in the city of San Francisco for the Warriors, um, that I think that would then, you know, kind of be that perfect storm for him to be in the conversation right with Bochy and, and Walsh. And maybe the vote ends up being, you know, a three-way tie. Um, you know, I don't know if four championships would be enough for Kerr to, you know, springboard over Bochi and and Kerr or in uh, Walsh, just because of how revered Walsh is and how revered Bochi's going to be, because he's literally the greatest manager in San Francisco Giants history, and Bill Walsh is the greatest coach in San Francisco 49er history. So, you know, Steve Kerr, no matter how many championships he wins from this point on, might never jump those two in the eyes of some. But I think if he wins another one, he absolutely deserves to be in the conversation, especially because of the, the, the new narrative that is now um, in the Warriors, you know, um, co- talking points this whole last offseason, which is with Durant gone, they, their window is over or their window is closed. And, you know, Steph Curry, um, you know, I don't know if this is breaking news or not on this podcast, but he just dropped 40 points on the Timberwolves in the preseason in 25 minutes. So uh, Steph Curry is going to have an MVP type season and they very well might have a pretty decent playoff seed, even without Clay, um, you know, come, uh, you know, come uh, come playoff time. And if they get a healthy clay in the playoffs, they might be able to make quite a uh, quite a nice run. It doesn't guarantee they'll win a championship. And there's certainly some some very good um, NBA teams right now uh, around across the league. So there's no guarantee they'd be able to even make it back to the finals, um, even if Clay's healthy. But I also think that if Kerr ends up getting them back there and they get to a sixth finals and find a way to win it, then you have to put them in the conversation. Um, I don't think there's any. I don't think there's any argument there that he deserves to be in the conversation at that point. Yeah, I agree on that one. Agreed to. Raymond, any final thoughts? Uh, the Bay Area is a pretty spoiled sports town. <laughs> We're just sitting here comparing comparing dynasty after dynasty. What what a what a tough life. What a tough life for a San Francisco Bay Area sports fan. Hey, hey, which dynasty's the best, guys? That's a great point, Ray. <laughs> Candlestick, will any final thoughts? Yeah, I just wanted to uh, pour a little, pour a little out for any Dodger fans out there that had to watch Kershaw last night. Oh man, the the best closer on the Giants team. <laughs> uh, man, he, I couldn't believe it. Back to back. I'm sorry, I. Honestly, I'm just going to say this now. They should cut him after that. I I know he's big on that payroll, but after that performance and I'm not that I don't think that's a hot take. I don't think I it's just like you are supposed to be the greatest regular season pitcher of all time. We have believed in you. We have given you chance after chance after chance to prove yourself in the postseason as the ace that you are all year. And you literally single-handedly destroy any opportunity for these guys to go on a run. It just, the team was just 
just it, they were just wiped after that. He he literally pulled the soul out of that team. And Kershaw, Kershaw should be cut. I swear to God that if if, if Bill Walsh was the coach, he would cut him after that. He cut Roger Craig because he fumbled in the playoffs. Sure did. Yeah, Bill Bill Walsh. I mean, going back to you know where where we were as as a, as humans at the time, Walsh was a 49ers coach. Uh, I, as a nine-year-old, I was not a very big, very big fan of Bill Walsh's um, roster decisions, whether it was uh, getting rid of um, you know Ronnie Lott and Roger Craig with the Plan B free agency, or or the the fact that he set the foundation to uh, to send guys like Montana out, you know, because his his philosophy was it's better to get rid of a guy a year early than a year too late. Um, which is yeah, GM uh, is, GM Bill Walsh wasn't as successful as head coach Bill Walsh. Well, and although, he, Bill, although he was still a great, he still had a great eye for talent. Well, yeah, and, and, and I'm not I'm not even necessarily knocking his decision making as much as uh, the damage it did to a nine year old you know diehard fan. <laughs> yeah, it was he was so cutthroat, <laughs> very Belichickian. Because yeah, and I, I I think that you know being cutthroat is part of the business, and it's you know if you can't produce the way you could, the whole point of me drafting this other guy or trading for this other guy is because I need someone to replace you when you're no longer at your best, and you know you have a Hall of Fame backup quarterback, which no one has ever had in the history of mankind, um, you know unless you want to say unless you want to say Aaron Rodgers when he was with uh, Brett Favre in Green Bay, but it's like you know, most of the time that that's always going to be an ugly transition. And, you know, Bill Walsh had no problem making the ugly transitions and getting rid of the, the older guys for the younger guys, because like you said, he had a great eye for talent. So his backups were ready to take on the, the role of starters um, and replace the guys that we had fallen in love with. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. It, I, I think, Every kid was so scarred when Joe when Joe was traded to the Chiefs. That was a brutal, that was a brutal day. It's 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 like it's like you know like like uh, you know it's just one of those days where like where were you on the day that you heard this? Like you know I don't quite remember it, but man, I remember the emotion. I remember the emotion, the feeling like like it was yesterday. Excellent, guys. That was great. We're definitely going to have to pose another one of those questions, and then we, then Candlestick Will will put it to a vote. But what is your vote? Let us know on YouTube.com. We heard so many people on Twitter. We definitely want to hear your comments on this episode. What do you think? Can Kerr leapfrog them? Does he have to truly win a championship in San Francisco to even be on this level? Uh, is Bill Walsh still the greatest? What are your thoughts on Boach? Let us know in the YouTube comments at YouTube.com slash TheGoldCast. All right, so concludes another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa I, baby. And our esteemed co-host. Candle, stick, will. Yes, boom. We'll see you next time. Same Gold Cast time, same Gold Cast channel. Dodgers suck. This is, is the Gold Cast.